0: Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one sparkling page of Talmud every day. And what a page we have today, and what a guest to discuss it with. Welcome back to the show, our beloved friend, Dr. Bacheva Marcus.
1: Hi, Liel. I'm happy to be back, even for a page like this.
0: See, here's the thing. it's Again, it's your own freaking fault, because you have made yourself a delightful, knowledgeable, fascinating expert on the intersections of religious life and sexuality. And so when I see a paragraph like the one I'm about to read to you, you know, my first thought is, I need Pacheva to explain this to me. Can I read you a little bit from today's page?
1: Oh, go ahead.
0: (laughs) Since the Gemara spoke of sins in the first temple era, it continues to explain other verses with similar content, Rava, son of Rav Eli, interpreted the following verse homiletically. What is the meaning of that which is written, the Lord says because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with outstretched necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go and making a tinkling with their feet? Because the daughters of Zion are haughty. Indicates that they would walk with upright stature and carry themselves in an immodest way and walk with outstretched necks indicates that they would walk in small steps, heel to toe, so onlookers would notice them. Wanton eyes indicates that they would fill their eyes with blue eyeshadow and beckon. Walking and mincing as they go indicates that the wealthy women would walk a tall woman alongside a short one so that the tall woman would stand out. This is derived from the interchangeability of the letters tet and sadi, tsefo meaning in this case to be seen making a tinkling with their feet, this is my favorite part. Rabbi Yitzchak from the school of Rabbi Ami said, This teaches that they would place myrrh and balsam in their shoes and would walk in the marketplaces of Jerusalem. And once they approached a place where the young men of Israel were congregated, they would stamp their feet on the ground and splash the perfume toward them and instill the evil inclination into them like venom of a viper. Oh, my. But Sheva Marcus, what is going on here?
1: Before I jump into this, what is that Shakespeare quote? Like, oh, sharper than a serpent's tooth. I should have looked this up. Um, is the venom of a woman or something. <laughs> Do you know this quote? <laughs> anyway, okay. Um, the the viper's venom of a woman or something. It's like they're misquoting Shakespeare. Um, okay, so let's talk. Many eons ago, I think when I first came on as a guest, I said to you, Liel, there's going to be some passages which are really sex positive. And there are going to be some passages that are really sex negative because the Talmud, it's not giving you one person's opinion. It's expressing many opinions, many different scholars take on things and worldviews, and they're very, very varied. And so there are going to be also some texts that are incredibly women negative.
0: And I take it that this is one of them.
1: I think this would be one of them. So I always laugh when people say, like, what does the Talmud say about this? Like, well, it says... 1200 things and says it in a different way. So this is one of the perspectives, which is quite female negative. And I think um, what's so jarring about this, honestly, Lyle, as I was reading, it was like I think it's stuff that we still see today. Like there's some stuff that we look at the Talmud and we think, okay, this happened thousands of years ago. This was different people's opinions, but they're not necessarily opinions that we hit up against on a daily basis. But the ideas that are expressed here are the questioning of women's motivations, one, the sort of generalizing, the sort of male generalizing that, you know, what I think or how I experience it is how everybody experiences it. And, um, insecurity of men um, getting turned on its head for the women is like hitting us in the face here. So I'm happy to go through each of those three things because I think that's exactly what this passage is expressing.
0: So let's do precisely this. Take, take us away.
1: Okay. So let's talk about questioning the women's motivations, right? Like The assumption is that these women who are getting dressed up and walking a certain way and wearing a certain thing is because they want to entice the men. Right, like this idea that we're always questioning women's motivations is just a little horrifying. Years ago, when I got started involved in the Orthodox feminist movement, every time we wanted to do anything religiously—make kiddush at home, have women's tefillah groups, women's prayer groups—you know, have women speaking—rather than thinking, oh, maybe there's different motivations, different women have different motivations. The, the naysayers were all about, like, oh, you just want attention if you're all just like trying to jump on the feminist bandwagon. Like, this idea you're that you're
0: only doing this to get the men's attention.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How do they know that women aren't getting dressed up because they love the way they look?
0: Right. Because why else would you have nice clothes?
1: Correct. Exactly. Because, you know, and we all know, honestly, women tend to dress for other women more than they dress for men. Um, so, really, the questioning of the motivation is just so painful as a woman looking at that. That's piece number one. The other thing, the second thing is this like, you know, generalizing about like, oh, you know, they're doing it to turn us on with the assumption that what turns on this particular person is the same thing that turns on everybody, which is also just like so crazy and absurdly out. Like, I mean, yes, there are certain things that people would suggest are, you know, generally considered very sexual. But, you know, I don't know. You tell me. Women walking toe to heel or heel to toe or splashing perfume on you on the market. Would that, like affect you you Listen, don't have to I've, share I've, i never have people personal opinions <laughs>
0: I've, I've walked into macy's on one or two occasions and, oh. and have had women splash perfume with me let me tell you it was not an erotic experience at all oh my
1: god <laughs> you should oh my god you should hear my husband on that he's like oh he can't even walk into those stores because <laughs> he too. finds it so offensive exactly so this particular opinion who's speaking is just generalizing all the things that like he finds particularly arousing well clearly the women are doing it in order to arouse men because that he finds it arousing. And then the third thing is this sort of general insecurity about, you know, the rich women, well, with the short women, the tall women. Also, I was a little offended by that as a short woman, okay? I was really offended <laughs> that all the women, you know, as a woman barely makes to five feet, so all the women who are tall, like they're flaunting their tallness because that's really going to turn the men on. So anyhow, I think the, I just need to get back to the fact that sometimes we read things in the Guara, in the Talmud, that are irritating but a little bit laughable because it feels so arcane but in this case i feel like these things are so still the case and that it really hits us in the face so so i think you know as people are learning this this stuff that maybe the thought is oh that's interesting there's still some kind of bad elements of the way we think about women and sexuality and it was true 2000 years ago it's still true today
0: it's also this this notion uh, that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I seem to get off this page, that there's something uh, kind of almost malicious going on, right? Here are the excellent boys of, of Israel who, who want to do nothing but study Torah all day long, and they're tempted by these by these evil seductresses who are walking around with no other person but to distract innocent men. So whatever happens next is really the woman's fault. Am I reading Correct.
1: No, no, no. Totally, totally. And I'm laughing because when you emailed me to talk about this, I was like, oh, this is slut shaming at its best, right? (laughs) Like, in other words, this is – no, really, that's exactly what we call slut shaming, right? Like, I have a reaction. Therefore, it's your fault that I have this reaction. And they're putting the motivation on it to create that reaction, right? Like, it's one thing to say, like, you shouldn't come out dressed that that way because it's erotic and it turns me on. But to say that you purposely came out dressed that way erotically, it turns me on, and it's all your fault is really sort of at the heart of slut-shaming. So I think you're 100% right. Like it's it's shifting all the, the blame off the woman Into the men. And the truth is, this is an idea that reverberates, And you see a lot that, you know, when women are characterized and men are characterized, the women are characterized as kind of having no desire, right? But the ability to they have to sort of keep themselves under wraps and under covers in order to control or help the men control their desire. And the men are almost portrayed as if they have no control over their desire. As if like once they're turned on. Yeah, exactly. There's no choice but to like go leaping after that, you know, woman's flesh and perfume on you. So, um, yeah, I think these are bad tropes and they are repeating and you will see them again, I'm sure. But um, but I think the most helpful way to look at it is to say, listen, some of these things are things that really we still see today. And what does that mean for us? And how do we address that? today because that we can do something about
0: so let us take today's page not as historically painful but rather as an invitation uh, to re-examine right here and right now and, and get better
1: yes, yes as usual you said it better than I did but yes, <laughs> that's exactly
0: what I'm saying <laughs> Marcus, Dr. Bacheva Marcus thank you so much for being our guest <laughs>
1: thanks Leo
0: this has been take one a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at take at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic and we'll see you again soon.